0: Awesome. All right. We're trying to connect in Jim, right now. Can everybody hear us?
1: Hello, I can hear you. Hello, Alan. Oh, I, I just took a nap. And I just nice. A time. <laughs> <laughs> believe that? Still got the light <laughs> off in the room and everything, huh? Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> when you don't How- sleep, uh, I feel like Elvis
0: right <laughs> you're a popular man these days
1: oh yeah yeah i can put this up on a little thing you want me to do that I'll f- hold on i'm sorry i'm not prepared you guys are all professionals and i'm like this-. katie and i are in tie-dye sweatshirts and ponytails today
0: so. well, <laughs> we didn't know we dressed like twins today <laughs> <We didn't. laughs>
1: <laughs> the Katie's. <laughs> it was that great song, She Caught the Katie. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna sing that, you know. Are you excited? She got the Katie and Left Me a Mule to ride. My baby caught the Katie. Left me a mule to ride. <laughs> <My baby laughs> Katie, the mule the opening to
0: ride. <laughs> opening song for- of the movie.
1: That's right on. That, that's the first song in the Blues Brothers movie.
0: It is. It's, it's my favorite, obviously.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? It's my favorite, too, actually. There's one verse that we don't do in the show because we had to cut one verse, but I love the verse. It goes, my baby, she's long. My baby, she's tall. She sleeps with her head in the kitchen and a big feet's in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy <laughs> about in the right? Then, hard headed woman of mine. That's funny. <laughs> Let me see how this is. How's this? Still feels oh, yeah. like too wide of an angle of a lens, but is that all right? Oh, That's yeah, that looks great. Cool. got a different lens, it seems like it's a wide angle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that feel way, that. too. <laughs> yeah, right. So thank you, guys, for, uh, for uh, taking an interest in the Katie's and me.
2: Oh, yeah. Thanks yeah. so much
1: for agreeing to uh, talk to us.
2: This is a real pleasure.
0: Yeah. So yesterday we spent a good uh, couple hours at the dispensary talking to the Katie's, uh, getting the backstory on glacier chocolate and glazed edibles. Um, we got to talk about the, sort of the... The genesis of the brand and how that got started and they told us a little bit about the Jim Belushi brand and the joints the candy joints that are coming out and some of the other projects. Oh the have.
1: candy joints are <laughs> so good.
0: Yeah those are so <laughs> cool. Nobody's done them. It's a very unique product.
1: Oh they'll all be doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> well deal not- from the Katie's
0: seems like those molds are pretty hard to get, so you guys have a a jump start on that one for sure. Yeah. But I mean, thanks for spending the time with us. Can you tell us a little bit about, we know about your grow in Oregon and you've got some other product lines, kind of give us a, a background for us with what your history has been within the cannabis industry, launching these multiple businesses that you have.
1: It's a big question, baby. What is <laughs> Can you bring it down a little bit? I don't yeah, know which way so go.
0: What so what was your first introduction into wanting to work in the cannabis industry? What brought you to cannabis to begin with as a, as a patient yourself?
1: Well, I was never a prolific smoker, except for in high school. Uh, I always kind of medicated a little bit here and there i i wasn't really that big of a partier in college because i was kind of an acting nerd and i was always acting or doing lights on a show or doing a one-act play for the playwrights uh class or doing the main stage the speech department you know you had really hardly any time to drink or smoke for sure and then when i got older I was the second city doing eight shows I, you know I never really was pro a prolific smoker um, but from time to time I would I would always get nervous because Danny would smoke and he'd give me some and and he'd be smoking it like a cigarette you know big piles of smoke and first of all I watched the piles of smoke go up and I was like, you know, when we used to smoke in high school, it was like, (laughs) yeah, trying to save all the smoke, you know. But anyway, oh, come on, Jimmy, have a little. No, no, I'm okay, Danny. I'm okay. Come on, come on, have a little. I look at him and he's like, he seems normal. And I would take one hit and I'm like, (laughs) you (laughs) know, so I have a low THC tolerance which I believe a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I really believe in the medicine of this. And I think the best way for the curious and the new consumer, you know, in these 37 states to experiment is through the edible and not the edible that your friend is making in a brownie because that'll knock you out for 18 hours, but a regulated Measured, tested, delicious, edible. So I use like two point five to five milligrams, you know, to sleep or to chill out at the end of a long working day. Uh, and the way the Katie's, the first of all, it's the best chocolate, and they've managed. They've managed to keep the terpene values with the thc and the chocolate still tasting like chocolate not mm-hmm. Uh, which is difficult to do because the terpenes are the flavor and the smell and i believe that the terpenes and the thc combination that entourage has a much more desirable effect on the consumer it's, there's no paranoia that comes with it. Anxiety comes with it. it. It just kind of chills you. So that was what was so impressive when I met the kids, besides them being so delightful. <laughs> just heartwarming and uh, full of love <laughs> and healing in the world. They have a great purpose. Uh, was the the manufacturing ability... That they had the the mixture of chocolate, sugar, fats, THC, CBD, and terpenes. Most chocolate they strip, trim, and just kind of gather whatever they call distillate, and they put it in the chocolate, which is fine, which is very suitable too. I'm not bad mouthing it. But the premium high-end chocolate which Katie's have spent a lot of their money to perfect successfully uh, is really the ultimate. I think I've really found, I mean, I'll say it, I really found some magic here with these Katie's. And uh, I think their brand is going to explode. And I I chase magic, you know, I they call it chasing magic because that's i repeated it so many times about how, you know, how did you get in show business? And uh, I said, when I first got my first lap on the stage, it was magic. And I've been chasing that magic ever since. And I find magic wherever I go, whether it's a concert, whether it's performing with Danny and the Blues Brothers, or whether it's a moment of teaching my son when he was six how to ride a bike, there was that moment of magic that happened and you're in your body and you feel full of joy and I, I find that acting singing you know cooking I don't know all kinds of things so I think the Katie's have captured magic and uh, that's why we call it chasing magic. I'm talking too much <laughs> to I'm,
0: I'm blushing I'm flattered and how did so the Katie's yesterday told us, that, you know, how you stumbled in their store and found them. Can you tell us how you discovered glazed edibles and the Katie's?
1: Yes. Uh, Katie's cousin, Shannon, Shannon, my good friend in Los Angeles, Shannon, uh, I, I, we had a, uh, we had a gig or something. What did we have? Uh, no, we we're visiting Redbird. Yeah. Came to ris- visit Redbird because we made a deal with Redbird as a uh, distribution and also manufacturer of the Blues Brothers cannabis. Hmm. And uh, I'm like, we're in Tulsa. And I go, I, I think Shannon's from Tulsa. I called her and I said, I'm in Tulsa. Do you have any good restaurants? Oh, Jimmy. Let me get my brother. Let me, all of a sudden we were set up in the nicest restaurants. And then she said, my cousin Katie's got an edible shop, a dispensary downtown. You should go say hi to her. And I'm like, all right, Shannon, I'll go say hi. And uh, I walked into this cloud of magic (laughs) and they were there and they were delightful. And we, went through the kitchen and we saw how they did everything. And the chocolate was terrific. And I went, look, I'm looking to release an edible in Oklahoma. Why don't we just do it? It was that simple. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, the chocolate was that blow away. It's not like, you know, let me think about it. <laughs> well, you know, I'll talk to my people and see, it was like, Okay, this is magic. You're lovely as can be. Let's do it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we've got, for anybody who hasn't seen them, we can show real quickly just what some of their amazing painted (sighs) chocolate look like. (laughs) We all came in and got some yesterday, and we all tried some uh, pretty much as soon as we got back to work. And then again, when we got home from work.
0: (laughs) They're amazing. What do you think? They're awesome. Oh, they're great. And they're, the ones we had were the 10 milligrams, and those were perfectly dosed. Mm-hmm. They were perfect dose. Thank you. Now, well, that's
1: the thing. It's dosing. You know, our industry is, you know, the consumer wants a controlled experience. And in alcohol, they know what they're going to feel like with two beers, a shot of whiskey, or two glasses of wine. And cannabis, like with Danny, I didn't know what I was going to, feel when I smoke this joint but with edibles you can really rely on a controlled experience because it's measured so well Mm -hmm. and always start at 2.5 and then work your way up and you can have a controlled experience and so that 10 milligram it's hard though because you know I I eat 2.5 to 5 that's like eating half (laughs) of that you know that lemon pie one you know it's like <laughs> you, you told her hat. It's like it's so <laughs> delicious.
0: Is this your well, first edible product that you've launched?
1: Well, I'm simultaneously launching with uh, Bang Chocolate in California. Mm. That's right. Oh, I like Jamie Pearson. Uh, Bang has been, you know, around for years uh, in the in the medical market, like in California. And I, you know, that was semi-illegal. And then she flipped over to make sure she was completely compliant. And she took a little bite on sales because of that, but she wanted to be compliant and now her business is building back up. It's really quite, it's, it's blues. It's a blues brothers chocolate, a working man's brand for sure. The Katie's is just like premium, you know, something Shannon would like. Mm. Oh, yeah, that, that was pretty. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> How do you say? Think- are, are we recording this, huh?
0: It is yeah. being recorded, yeah. Mm. Yes, yes, indeed.
1: Oh, uh, so okay. it probably should be a little more in the light, huh?
2: Oh, yeah. That looks even That's better. Good.
0: What's how do you think Hollywood has responded to your um, advocacy of cannabis?
1: Who?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hollywood. I, I haven't paid attention, although uh, the L.A. Times and the uh, Hollywood Reporter, all they're all very curious about the cannabis industry and they've come for interviews and stuff. They they've treated me as a uh, influencer and a, someone understands. But uh, I don't know. They've got enough problems of their own. I mean, you know, they shut down for a year and a half. Agencies are merging and... You know, Disney's getting sued for you know not releasing a movie and putting it on stream. You know, they got no problems. They're not thinking about Jim Belushi. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not thinking about them while I'm on the (laughs) phone.
0: On your website you talk about using um CBD oil for your dog. What uh what brought you to start using cannabinoids and hemp for your dog and what uh what kind of ailments did he have and how's he doing?
1: Well, I've had a number of German shepherds and you know as they get to 9, 10, 11, 12 they get a lot of problems. And so uh my previous dog, Cash, he uh, he couldn't get up the stairs anymore. It was really humiliating for him. So I took some CBD. Actually, it was from uh, it was uh, it was from, oh, it was from the Iverson Farm uh, outside of Portland. Um, actually, uh, this, that's where I'm sourcing my uh, CBD oil. The Iverson Park. Um, I would. I gave it to Cash. And it was like, you know, I had to hold up his legs to go up the stairs because he was determined to get up. And after like two days, the third day for sure, he was going up those stairs and he got to the top and turned and looked at me like, I beat you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah. Uh, so dogs have an endocannabinoid system just like ours. Mm-hmm. And this made him feel so good because he was so, getting so arthritic and it was just made him feel happy to be able to go up the stairs with me. So my dog now, Taro, total farm dog. He's running all day long, running, 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 chasing ducks, chasing squirrels, chasing the ranger. Oh my God, the ranger! Trying to bite the tires, and uh, I mean, I don't think he trained Olympic athletes for that much running that he does. And he, he is fast, <laughs> crazy. Uh, okay, twenty-five miles an hour this last time, twenty-nine. Wow, <laughs> He's a sprinter for a shepherd. You know, shepherds aren't like running dogs. So he was. And has been dehydrated, <laughs> sore. And so I collaborated with a guy named Joel McLean, and we came up with a full spectrum uh, CBD oil called K9 K9 <laughs> nine INE. And it changed it a little bit. Right. <laughs> uh, it's available on my website only. I'm just doing it for people who, you know, we love them. Who movie. know the movie? They need a little hand. It's organic. Not organic, it's natural. You can't use the board organic. Right. It's natural and uh, and it works. I'm, I give it to my dog. And by the way, once in a while I'll take a little drop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's great that you're putting the knowledge out there. Not a lot of people know or they'll be afraid to try CBD with their pets. My 16-year-old husky just passed away three months
1: ago.
0: But she lived to almost 17 years old. She was four months from being 17, and she used CBD every single day of her life. So it really made a big difference in the longevity of her life. And she also had hip problems, dysplasia. She was having arthritis and issues getting up off the ground and she needed the hip harness. And we even got her a dog yeah. wheelchair and she decided that she did not need that wheelchair anymore. She had to prove to us.
1: Yeah, they she- really have, they they got an ego, these dogs, they got pride. <laughs> yeah. You know, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Uh, they got a little pride. They they can look at you like Mm-mm, ain't doing that no. That's right. <laughs> I can do it myself, dude.
2: Right. Love
1: my dog. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear about the passing. But I'm glad you yeah. Oh, thank you. TBD to help her along.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's spreading the knowledge really helps people. I mean, you love you love that animal so much, like it's a family member, and you would do more for that animal than you would even do for yourself, you know. Um, But not Uh, enough.
1: Nobody's loved me more than my dogs. That's true. (laughs) And dogs don't leave. They die, but they don't leave you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was so canine was one of my favorite Jim Belushi movies. And that uh, we were talking with the Katie's yesterday and both of them agreed that Curly Sue was their favorite, which was also was oh, my first. You're a <laughs> first.
1: That is the sappiest movie. You you little softies, yeah. you sentimental little girls.
2: Yes, yes, we loved you. That's
1: Ooh. what you love Bill, us for. Bill came back for her. Oh, <laughs> God. I
2: think the principal was uh, growing up, the principal was my brother and yeah, I. Yeah, man.
1: I yeah, man. Stay in school. <laughs> yeah.
2: Stay in school. It's also what that was. Well, we started I drinking. Poster.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'd say a poster. I don't know how I got it, but it was a poster So the principal says, stay in school. And it's like me going like this. I framed it and put it in my son's room. That's
2: perfect. <laughs> That's so funny. It's why we started drinking powdered instant breakfast. Oh. <laughs> and we tried it in Coca-Cola, too, because of the movie. I think my mom thought we were crazy. Well, you
1: know, it's a good combination. I remember I had to drink it on campus. You know, when you put eight tablespoons of sugar into anything, it's going to taste good.
0: (laughs) Right. What's been your favorite role that you've played in a TV or movie?
1: You know, I get that question. It's really hard to answer that. Because business-wise and, you know, About Last Night was the movie that kind of changed my career. Not kind of. Changed my career. And it was a role I did on stage. And I really owned that character and he was fun. And it just was, just everything came together for that movie. I'm grateful for it. But I don't know. It's like your children, you know, it's like. You, you're so invested in each one of them. You know, every movie I've done, I've gone a hundred percent. And you put your heart in it. So, you know, there's a piece of my heart in every one of these films. So I, I kind of like them all, you know. See where your heart was at that time. The first movie I did to with James Caan, Michael Mann you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love them all. My favorite, you know, as far as success, I mean, I love working with Arnold and Reddy. I, I like them all. I, I can't answer the question.
2: <laughs> That's a good movie. I always wondered, with About Last Night, when you did the stage performance, was that Sexual Perversity in Chicago?
1: Yes, the play was Sexual Perversity in Chicago, written by David Mamet. It was a 60-minute play. The movie was 63 minutes. The movie was an hour and 50 minutes. Right. So Denise DeClue and Tim Kazerinsky was an old Second City cohort in a Saturday Night Live cohort stretch that script into the movie so but most of the stuff I did was straight from the, the play and then there was some scenes that Tim wrote quite a few so I don't know it was just it was magic talk about magic
2: <laughs> and then we were wondering if you could say anything about what it was like to work with Tupac <laughs> yeah he was cool
1: <laughs> Tupac's super cool. I love Tupac. He was uh, he was a, to, to me an, an artist and musically he was a, a poet. You know, he wasn't one of those rappers at that time that were going, "Hey, I'm the MC. Look at me. Look at my mic. Look at my cars. Look at my girls." His was all about, you know, the struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder why they call you bitch. I mean, goddamn, that song, that one just breaks my heart. One about his mother. I mean, there was. I mean, he had a couple party songs, but but on the movie set, <laughs> you know, this guy went to the high school performing arts. It wasn't like some rapper off the street and they I'm going to be an actor. This guy had skills. I think he was one movie away from really breaking out. Uh, He was a pro. And what was cool was that he was a musician and I'm a musician. And my training comes from Second City, which is improvisation, which is improvisation, you know, is attributed to jazz. So it's a jam and you're improvising with other musicians while I'm improvising with other people and we're making up still jamming, right? So Tupac was a musician and he had those rhythms. I was a musician. I had those rhythms. So we would start a scene. We would never talk about it. You know, some actors say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. They'd go action. And... I would take like the lead guitar almost. So i to be a little stronger and I'd be running the energy a little bit. i would be driving the rhythm. And he was like a bass player. And he was just like, you boom, know, boom, boom. he would fill right in. And those scenes were like magic. I mean, and then we'd do another take and I would lay back, right? Like a musician, I'm going to lay back on this one, right? And he would pick up. So we were jamming all the time. We were always chasing the magic. We were always finding magic in every day. And then afterwards, we'd like giggle with each other, right? Like, hey, man, where did you find that? I don't know. I don't know. Right, so I, I don't know either, but whatever it was, it was fun. He was super cool. Came on time, came with his lines memorized a man of big heart. He had he had a couple of boys that he took care of that came to the set that were well-behaved. He cared for them. He was a mentor. He was wonderful. One time I said, you know, I always wanted to take Fly Me to the moon and uh, put a wrap in it, you know, because they've been taking Killing Me Softly and putting a wrap in it, right? And he goes, I never heard Frank Sinatra. And he goes, no. I was like, what? You're a musician, you know, Frank Sinatra? And so I, I brought my CDs, you know. We started playing them in the trailer. And he was blown away. And so we're trying to figure out how to do Fly Me to the Moon with a little rap underneath, right? And then, like, I don't know. A week later, he says, "What? Well, can't do it, Jim. What do you mean? You can't touch that song. It is melodically perfect. It would be doing an injustice to break into it." I was like, "Oh, so you dig Frank now?" Yeah, I dig. He it was he it was super cool. We had we had a professional relationship lovely 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 man he he passed 10 days after the movie wrapped what a crime what a crime to lose that kind of talent crime to everybody who loved them Well, we're keeping the spirit alive. We
0: sure are. We sure are. Well, so I'm a musician. Patrick uh, comes from an improv background. Uh, he used to teach at I.O. West in Hollywood oh. before they closed yeah. it down recently. Oh! Yeah.
1: If you're, if you're... Well, you know what I'm talking about, then. Yeah, he totally does.
0: Yeah the what how what, what advice would you give to somebody who's up and coming that wants to be uh improv or actor or comedian um it's really hard nowadays you know second City's not there right and ios is no longer in business so it makes it really hard you know given the state of the world and everything um to sort of come up and, and be someone who wants to be on snl or do comedy skit acting
1: Well, you know, when I started improvising, there were maybe, uh, um, I'm sorry about that. When I started improvising in Chicago, there was maybe a hundred improvisers in the city. And everybody would start their own improv companies, the Reification Company. You know, there was the Second City, Second City Touring, and there were clubs, and we would all go and meet and improvise. I'd improvise the reunification. i improvise the second city, and we, everybody would like rotate and try to get as much chops as they could. Now there's 8,000 improvisers in Chicago. Right. So I, I don't know what to tell you. It's yeah. it's horrid competition. Uh, I I believe that you I tell my daughter and my son, take those damn improv classes, just take them over and over and over. You know, whether you want to be a sketch comedian or a professional improviser, it does make a difference to bring that kind of energy to the other work that you do. I rely on what I learned through improvisation and everything I do, the rhythms, it's 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 like what I did with two, it's all rhythm work. It's rhythm, 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 character. You know, the way Second City used to do it was very relationship story orientated opposed to joke orientated. So there were relationship developments, and you know, it's just you you got another ear, you got a musical ear when you when you're doing regular straight lines. So I recommend. I don't think the goal, I don't think these improvisers' goals should be the stand up Comet or be on Saturday Night Live. I think they should study the craft of acting. And part of that study is whether you're doing Stella, you know, or whatever you're doing, part of that is, you got to do improvisation, man. And there's a lot of classes being taught. And all these guys teaching classes know what they're doing. They get it. You know? But the stand-up, that's another whole venue. That's open mic nights and all that stuff. But sketch stuff is, you know, hey, man, we played coffee houses. We played We played zoos. Improvising. <laughs> we improvised in college. I put my own group together at college we improvised in a bar that two feet in front of us and back <laughs> was packed with people drinking and talking <laughs> they didn't hear a word like that <laughs> can I have a suggestion of a location a location all right we're going to pick a location <laughs> you just keep doing it you know don't give up what can I say just Find anything you can do, do it. Just do it, do it, do it. Don't stop. I tell my kids, you know, do it all except for porn. Do it all. (laughs) You know, do children's shows, do do senior citizens' homes. They love, they really love improvisation, these senior citizens. I've done a lot of these nursing homes, you know, in the past. You just got to find a stage to get the chops. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you yourself have a favorite skit or a sketch that you guys did on SNL?
1: Uh, well, you know, I did a lot of short film pieces that I liked. I did one called Chess Coach, which I really loved. It was a short film piece where, you know, it shows this, you know, higher learning you know, like in Denmark College, oh, the college, you know, the high school chemist, known for years to be, you know, one of the most competitive places on But nobody sings a song so lonely as the high school chess coach. And then they cut into me in a gymnasium with two nerdy guys playing chess in the middle of the gymnasium and me walking back and forth like Bobby Knight going. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him the Just give him the rock That was the funniest sketch Uh, Probably chess coach One of my favorite
2: I think short film The first episode of Saturday Night Live I ever saw I, I would think I was in the fourth grade Maybe fifth grade And you Your guy started putting all the stuff down his pants In the bathroom Oh yeah and I didn't get it at all. I... <laughs> but a few years yeah, I later, I was you. like, that's the funniest thing.
1: <laughs> couple of Gary Kroger was like, hey, hey, you going to pay for the gum. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I look at Andy Breckman. Andy Breckman really wrote some great short films. I did a couple of Andy Breckman's. I did a big, big phallic one, too. Episcopal wouldn't do it. And I go, I'll do it. It was about a guy who uh, having bad luck in, in a bar, picking up girls. He goes in the bathroom. He's all bummed out. And he sees Gary Kroger take a little napkin and stuff it down his pants. I don't know. Okay. The bulge, it's called. So I take some napkins. I take some napkins. <laughs> I take some soap. I take... I open a utility closet and there's toilet paper and, and plungers <laughs> and I'm like, not to me coming out with like a six foot phallic and the corner, and I walk into the bar like this, and I and I end up getting all the girls. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember the uh, I remember the the standards of practice guy. He goes, you can't do that. That's just a big dick joke you know you can't do that and, uh, ever saw a flop for it and so the guy finally said all right as long as it's not smooth <laughs> <laughs> so we had to stub it with like boxes so it really looked horrible <laughs> 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 uh, the balls that was pretty good Andy Breckman. <laughs>
2: Uh, when, now, pivoting real quick, when you decided that you wanted to start farming, how much did you have to learn? I mean, like where was your not when you decided you wanted to get into the business? What was your knowledge level of cannabis like and how did you learn? Who did you learn from? Or,
1: Well, I, I, I took on this farm and this growing, this agriculture thing like I take on a role. You know, when you take on a role, you, you study it, study the lines, you study the adverbs, you study the things that people say about your character or you say about yourself. You get an idea, then you start creating a history and a profile. And, you know, you study deep. So when you come on the set, it's all there. And it's been studying it. I talk to people, and, you know, Captain Jack, Jeffrey Iverson's taught me a lot. Anthony Aya, the guy we have now, has taught me a ton, ton of great little techniques, little things that really make a difference in the end product as far as the terpene values and the, the elevation of THC. You know, keeping ash white, you know, keeping the soil 64 degrees in order for the micronutrients to absorb. Into the roots better. The roots like it at that temperature. You know, I mean, all these little things you just learn. I mean, it's like college. Uh, I I paid my tuition. I'm now uh, working on my master's thesis, which is the growing belushi show. You know, and I'm trying to share what I learned and trying to bring the new consumer, the new curious, into our industry. With confidence that it's clean, that it's, there's so many medical values to it, that it's not just a stoner thing. It's not, I mean, you can have fun with it, but I think there's more medical values involved with cannabis. And that's really what I've been learning about. And I learned about it on my dispensary visits because the consumer that comes in, I talk to them. I've talked to them and I, I, I've heard a lot of stories and I've learned a lot, I've learned a lot, but mainly from the consumers and these visits and growers and, you know. <laughs> business wise I'm not so sharp, but I, I can grow. <laughs>
0: So you're, you're doing the Jim Belushi product with Kate, the Katie's, and then you have a Blues Brothers band, uh, brand that you have licensed out for cannabis. Is that correct? I yes. have
1: four brands. I have uh, the Blues Brothers brand, Morgan Man's brand. Uh, we have a few skews in that, the, the baby blues, little baby joints, the uh, flip, flop, and fly. Uh, we have the Captain Jack, which is the smell of SNL. Uh, story, um, which is a uh, Afghani strain that he brought in 1972 from the bottom of the Kush Mountains. He's, it's a land-race strain, and he was the dealer for the weed dealer for SNL during those days of John and Danny and Billy and those guys. So he was known as the smell of SNL. So I got that strain, that brand. I am Chasing Magic, which we're doing with the lovely Katie's. And I have um, a new one we just launched in Oregon about three or four weeks ago called uh, Good Ugly Weed. Just really good weed, but man, maybe it's machine trimmed and not hand trimmed like everything else is pristine. Uh, you know, more bees buds in it, you know, but it is good and you know, it's like basically, an, you can get walk out with an ounce for under hundred dollars. It's a great value, it's flying off the shelves. And it's like, ah, uh, maybe we should up the price.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, we know, we're going to run out of weed. We're giving it away. Yeah. Bunch of value brand. People need that value. People in Oregon, you know, they're living. It's they're living check to check. They're working men. They're people and. You know, are wonderful people in their community, and they work hard and they budget. They budget for their beer. They budget for their events. They budget for rent, and they budget for their cannabis. And so, this is a really great budget item, and it really works. It's really good. You know, you know, uh, you know, Costco. I think it's Costco. You know, they have great wines at Costco for cheap. You know why they guarantee these farmers that we will buy your surplus. They do it with the French in Bordeaux and Burgundy. They get tons of great French grapes at a low, low price because they guarantee the money. And they make these $14 bottles of wine that you're drinking French wine. (laughs) So our point is... (laughs) Same thing in cannabis. And and uh, you're getting really, really great weed and good, ugly weed with great prices. So it's like that surplus idea. It's cool. What state, state is it? Captain bank chocolate. Bank chocolate. Launching California and then the lovely Katie's. We're coming to Oklahoma next week. That's right. We're, We're
0: excited. You. We can't wait.
1: Nope. Yeah, we'll be there.
0: We'll be taking some pictures with you.
1: Mm. All right. Well, I'm running out of steam, guys <laughs>
0: oh, a couple couple last questions do you have no, any- no,
1: it, pick one one you like
0: <laughs> what do you have a favorite strain?
1: yeah, I like cherry pie. We have a particularly good strain in cherry pie. Uh, I've compared it to other strains in other states. I don't know why we got a good good mother on cherry pie. I call it. Uh, I, I like it because it's about 19% THC and about 3% terpenes And the entourage is very chill, manageable. Right. You can take a hit and your wife won't even know you did. And I call it the marriage counselor. Uh, so, it, it, you know, my wife, soon to be ex, <laughs> I guess the marriage counselor didn't work. <laughs> uh you know, I come downstairs and she goes, you hungry? Yeah. You want to go out? Sure. What do you have to taste for? I go, cheeseburger. She goes, ah, a little heavy for me. Anything else? It's how about some sushi? No, oh, I had sushi with my mom last night. I was like, look, you know, we're going to go where you want to eat. Or we're going to eat what you want to eat. Why are you wasting my right time? <laughs> so now... I'll take a hit of the cherry pie, come downstairs, and she'll say, "You hungry? Yeah. Where do you want to go to eat?" I go, "Baby, we can go to Taco Bell as long as you're sitting across from me." <laughs> She's going, aren't you? Am I? So I called it the marriage counselor, but it's 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 just for me. It's perfect.
0: We just got some in at our dispensary, and I got to try it last week. It's amazing. It's my new favorite. Did it? Yeah, yeah, I do. We got the first box in Oklahoma.
1: From uh, from Redbird? Yes. So it, it's nice, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's wonderful. I love it.
1: It's very mellow. Yeah, that's right. Very mellow. Yeah. Very cool. Well. Char- I'm, I'm so charming at dinner when I have a little cherry pie.
2: Right. Thanks so much for talking Thank to us. Thank you so much.
1: For very the much. Time. It's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right pie. Jim. I just ran out of steam. I'm so sorry. Okay. We'll, it happens. well, no uh, we'll be all.
0: taking some pictures uh, with you next week and hopefully we'll get to try some of that
1: cherry pie. No, oh, bring that cherry pie, Katie. That's uh, it, huh? You got
0: the ball yeah. flipped up. Yep. Well, Katie, hey. do you guys, is there anything else that you guys want to add in the Katie's about glazed and the Jim Belusi chasing magic? I think we covered most of it yesterday.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool. We're just really excited. We're ready for next week. Yeah, we're excited. Us too. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for taking the time. Mm. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.